Father, this morning we come to you. You have magnified your word above all your name. And this morning we choose to do the same. We magnify your word. The word that became flesh and dwelt among us. And now you have given him the name above all names, O oh Father. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that name, that Jesus is Lord. We confess, Lord, today in your house, in all our lives, you are Lord. You are Lord, Holy Spirit. Take control of this time, our hearts and our minds, that there be no distraction. Let every heart be stayed on God and every mind be tuned to receive what God is speaking. Every power of darkness that tries to disturb, disturb, to distract, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And I speak peace into every heart, every life. Peace that you give. Let every storm be stilled. Let the wind cease. Let the be calm. For he is Lord of all. Let his people be amazed and ask what manner of man is this? That he commands the winds and the waves and they obey him. And his name, his name is Jesus. Be magnified in our midst this morning, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Any prayer request that came on the phone, commit that also, Lord, into thy hands. We turn to Revelation chapter 1 and verses 1 to 3. Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants. Things which must shortly take place. Shortly take place. Things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. You read the whole Bible, you are blessed. But there's a specific blessing promised to the book of Revelation. What is it? Who hear the words of this prophecy. Who keep those things which are written in it. For the reason the time is near. One, one of the things which people do not understand is the Bible is different from any other religious text. Any other religious text. No, there is no book like the Bible. The reason is one third of the Bible is prophecy, foretelling the future. One third of the Bible is prophecy. And everyone sitting here, and those who are outside, is fulfilling one or many of the prophecies that are written. We are fulfilling one way or other. If you have doubts, go to Revelation 22. And you will see we are fulfilling one of the two. 
22.11. He who is unjust, let him be unjust too. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. It's a prophecy. The mystery of iniquity is working. And you do not know it has its power. Nobody can stop its power. It works. The mystery of holiness is also working. The power of God in man, the power of the devil in man is working. So we are all fulfilling prophecy. You cannot negate prophecy. Like I said, one third of the Bible is prophecy. And the first prophecy in the Bible is Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is the first prophecy in the Bible. The first prophecy in the Bible is spoken by God in the Garden of Eden, revealed later to Moses. Okay, but the first prophecy in the Bible is about the first coming of Jesus Christ, that he is coming. And when he comes, he will crush the head of the serpent. This is the first prophecy. Along with what Christ will do, something else is prophesied. What is going to start is war. There is going to be conflict, violence and war between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. There is going to be war. Unceasing war. It will continue. The second prophecy in the Bible, chronologically, second prophecy in the Bible is not found in Genesis or any of the other books. It's found in Jude chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. For what? To execute judgment. That's also for war. Okay, so Adam didn't prophesy, Eve didn't prophesy, Cain didn't prophesy, Abel didn't prophesy, so the next one is Enoch. So the next one who prophesies, or the first man who prophesies is Enoch. So the first prophecy is about Jesus' first coming, the second prophecy in the Bible is about his second coming, and everything is caught in between. So if we don't understand the prophetic one, we will not understand what is happening in our own lives, in our own homes. We don't understand what is happening in the world. Second, even doctrine will not have effect in you. The book of Titus, God will say, the grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching to be this, 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 this. For what? For those who are longing for the appearance of Christ. If the prophetic is taken out, doctrine will fail to hold you. Fail to hold you. People are, why did the church in Laodicea become so lukewarm? It's, is it because they did not have doctrine? No, it's because they had no prophetic insight. Why was the church in Philadelphia so strong that they did not deny his word or his name and they took his command to persevere? Because they had insight into the prophetic that he is coming and tribulation is coming. So we need to understand the Bible is a book of war. And the war started in the garden. War started in the garden. Because we don't understand like today is May the 14th. Israel is turning 75 years. It's not a small number. It's a prophetic number. Because it was at the age of 75 Israel's forefathers 
Abraham entered into the promised land. And the beginning of Israel in modern history is chronicled in the Bible as the beginning of the end. And Israel is turning 75 years today. And the question, let me ask you is, how many of us who are believers in a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church was even aware or moved by an event that has prophetic significance? Understand? Why Israel is so important in God's history? Because a remnant from Israel will be saved. Like I said yesterday, the time of the Gentiles is almost over. When God will turn his clock back and go back to Israel. Now if Jews are trickling in, but the Gentiles are pouring in. But once that is over, Gentiles will be trickling in. The Jews will pour in. We are reaching that timeline. So don't miss. Don't get so caught up in this world. You will miss what is happening. In 1911, Revelation 1911, the Bible says, I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. He who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. So Jesus is coming to make war. First time he came to save the sinner. Second time he's coming to make war with the sinners. The Bible, like I said, it's a book of war. Once he comes and makes war and takes over the planet Earth, there will be, if you go to Revelation 20, verses 1 to 3, I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having a key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of this word, okay, this word pit. I just go back home and those who have search engines with your Bible, just check how many times the word pit is involved, used in the book of Revelation. And you will see from the pit comes demonic entities who are released according to time. All these things that are happening in the world are not random. They're all controlled by entities that are coming out of the bottomless pit. When Jesus takes over the world, one of the first things that will happen is Satan and his demonic hosts are bound and cast into the, into the pit. And what happens, verse 3, bound him for a thousand years. He cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him that he should deceive the nations no more. So we'll have thousand Years of peace on earth and righteousness. The reason is Christ is ruling, saints are ruling, Satan and his hosts are locked up, and there is no deception. No lies, therefore no deception. Thousand years. What happens in verse 6? Blessed is he who is and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God with of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. And he will go out again to deceive the nations which were in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went upon the breadth of the earth, surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. This is the final end. This is the final war. After that is the beginning of the new creation. 
Okay, so there are many wars still to be taken place. There is a war that takes place when Jesus comes a second time. And blessed are those who are a part of the first resurrection. Because there is a second resurrection. Death has no power over them. Okay, so your aim and our aim should be that we should be part of the first resurrection and not the second resurrection. Okay, so understand, the Bible is a prophetic book. The Bible is a very, very prophetic book. And this is the end of Satan and satanic hosts. The end of all wars, personal and national. This is the end of deception. What begins is a new creation. All the enemies are under Jesus' feet. What will Jesus do? First Corinthians 15, 24, and then verse 28. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and all power. What will he do? He will hand over the kingdom to the Father. And verse 28 says, Now when all things are made subject to him, that is Jesus, then the Son himself will also be subject to him, that is the Father, who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. That's how Revelation 21 begins with the city of Jerusalem and God the Father in our midst. So that's what we are looking. Okay. So when God, when the Bible begins, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, what happens is he started the clock. Time began. History began. But please remember, there is an end to time. An end to history. There are two types. We have, you have heard it many times from here. There are two types of time. One is physical time, which is called chronos. And the other is God's time, which is called kairos. When we were unbelievers or Gentiles live on chronos, they only know physical time. But God's people should live by Kairos. God's people live like Gentiles that they will catch you by surprise. God's people are not called to live by Kronos. That is physical time. And that's the danger of the last days, the days of Noah and the days of Lord. Men were buying and selling, getting married, marriage, giving in marriage, and then boom, the day came. Because they were only living by Kronos. They were not leaving by Kairos. In Matthew 16, verses 1 to 4. Then the Pharisees and the Sadducees came and testing him, asked that he should, should show them a sign from... I'm slipping on my tongue. I think it's all because of the Korean food I ate. It was too bland. There was no spice in it. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. You're living in Kronos. Very good. You read the weather very well. But you are not living by Kairos. You cannot see the signs and understand and be either excited or panic, preparation, you cannot discern the sign of the times. And verse 4, 
A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. No sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. He says, you are not able to. You are not able to understand the signs of the times. Note that word, signs of the times. Okay. In Daniel, we had seen that two weeks back. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, you know, this was a guy, I wouldn't say a saint accidentally, but in so many ways, accidentally stumbled into so many things. He was looking for something, but because he was such a brilliant student or a zealous student, God revealed to him more than he could handle. Daniel 12, 4, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase until the time of the end. And I told you the mystery, the unsealing began with Jesus rising from the dead. The Daniel's book is, see most people couldn't understand Daniel's book for centuries because it was like a cryptic puzzle which nobody could unfold. That 70 weeks itself was so confusing. Something happens after 69, then there is a break, then suddenly the 70th week begins. Nobody could figure it out because you see, you and I were a mystery. The Jews never knew about the church. It was a mystery. Nobody knew. That's why Peter was so stunned that he was asked to go to Cornelius' house because they never factored Gentiles in. But God had already factored us in. And the mystery was actually revealed through Apostle Paul. The mystery is unraveled. If you go to Colossians 1.26, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. It was hidden from ages and from generations. But now it, there is an opening of it. In Revelation 10 and verse 7, this is what it says. In the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, the end of tribulation, okay, seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished. So many things which we still do not, cannot figure out. When will be the mystery, the hidden things of God be finished? When the seventh angel blows his trumpet. The mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants, the prophets. The prophets to the prophets, the mystery has been declared. It has to be unraveled. And when it will be finished, it will be finished when the seventh angel blows the trumpet. What happens? The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you don't believe it. Daniel saw it. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 44 and 45, in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. And the kingdom of Christ comes every other nation. Right? Like I said, Though the prophecies were there, we couldn't understand it. Because so many things could be understood only by time. Only by time. Now, so many things which are written in the book of Revelation, we understand it better. Like about when the Antichrist comes and you have to take the mark and you remember the, the image that speaks. 
AI has come. The machines are going to take over. There is going to be a mixing of the seed of man, the demons, and the machine. And the machines will control everything. That's why even Musk and everyone is panicking and says we should not put a ban on artificial intelligence because it can actually take over. But nobody understood what it was about the image that speaks. Living in prophetic times, okay, be very, very careful. Be very, very careful. We missed that. So the unsealing began when Jesus rose from the dead. The Bible says in Luke 24, 44. Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. That all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then it started falling into place. When he opened their eyes, because now he's risen, they started understanding all the prophecies connected with Jesus' first coming. The unsealing began. And we saw two Sundays back, and last week also in the book of Acts, when Peter stands there before the crowd, you will see the unsealing is beginning. He says, this is what the prophet Joel says. And the word he uses is, in the last days. And in the last days, he's flipping literally into our times. Because the things which he has mentioned in that passage has not happened yet. He flips, fast forwards, so they're all prophetically speaking. And he's talking about our times in which we are living. And in the final book, book of Revelation, the final chapter, verse 6 and 7 and then 10. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets, remember he's everywhere he's using the term prophets. Because he's talking about prophecy. That I said, if you do not factor prophecy in, you will see, if you do not have prophecy, you cannot have vision. People confuse vision. A lot of people talk about vision, but it is not vision, it is ambition. Ambition sounds like vision, but it's absolutely carnal, because ambition is about self, vision is about the other. It is about God, it's about his kingdom, it's about the other, it's not about you. So if you want to fulfill vision, you have to lay down your life. If you have to fulfill ambition, you have to pick up your life. Don't confuse one with the other. Because a lot of people are talking about vision, is ambition, it's not vision. And that's what the Bible says, where there is no vision, my people fall away. And you cannot have vision unless God and his prophetic picture comes into being. And that's what he's saying. The holy prophets to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And then when you come to verse 10, he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is at hand. To Daniel it was told, seal. Seal. But his unsealing has already begun. And John, John's book of Revelation is almost like a parallel book to the book of Daniel. He says, don't seal it. Let everyone who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit says. Let it be opened. Because if you don't have that prophetic, nothing will make sense. Even doctrine won't make sense. That's what Hebrews 11.1 1 says. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. 
the important word. What is your hope? You know what biblical hope is? He has birthed in us a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Bible, hope is always connected with the next life, with resurrection. So if your hope is is in this life, 1 Corinthians 15, 19, if your hope is in this life only, in Christ, we are of all the most pitiable. Because what do we have? We have ambition and not vision. Only in this life. Take a few seconds. Just search your heart and mind and all the things you are concerned and worried and dreaming about. What does it have to do with the kingdom of God and eternity? Ask yourself for a minute. And you will realize most of it has no relevance at all. That means you have a lot of ambition. Very little vision. That's why there is a blessing pronounced over the book of Revelation. Blessing pronounced. We have to keep that in mind. Because the whole Bible is prophetic. And everything has been revealed in advance. There is something that has always been going on. Like I said, there are wars are going on. We, when we read Revelation 12, they says there is war in heaven. Michael and the angels fought with Satan and his angels, the ancient dragon, the ancient serpent. Okay, Like we had this pastor from Japan, old gentleman. And when he made his presentation, he was saying, less than one person, point whatever three, six percentage of Japanese only believe. You need to ask us a question. So when I was teaching them, I said things, I said, you need to understand. Korea is an exception. Korea is an exception. But they said during COVID and after COVID, 10,000 churches plus have shut down in Korea. It's not going up, it's going down. I said, if you turn from Israel and you turn, starting with Cain to Lot, everyone who left the presence of God or the presence of a believer, they went east. Yes, can we handle the children up, please? Because the people at the back won't be able to hear, okay? We don't want anybody missing, okay? Please, uh, I love your children, okay? I'll, not your children, my children. All the children are mine. I always tell you, you don't like them, drop them home. <laughs> I'll take care of them. They are not a burden, they are a blessing. Think that way, okay? Think that way. Because today's world, children are a burden. No, God said a blessing. A blessing. You have to change the way you think. Then you will see differently. Okay? All these people, they took a direction to the east. So you will see, as they went into the east, now we are looking at the Middle East. Middle East changed only because of Islam. Islam destroyed idolatry in the Middle East and replaced it with the law, which is even more worse or as bad. But further you come down to East, you come to India. And then you get into the Far East. By the time you come to India, the gods of India, the god of death, sits with a serpent around his neck. The other one who sustains sits on a bed of snakes. So the reigning deity over this land is the snake. 
And the Bible identifies him as the ancient serpent. And you go further down, any side you turn, it is a dragon. So you see this enormous resistance to the gospel. Enormous resistance. 52 AD, Thomas came to India. 2,000 years later, we have been touched a minuscule. So when I made my introduction, I said, I'm here in May. In the month of April, India became the world's most populous country. We have the largest Hindu population, 1 billion, and the third largest Muslim population, over 200 million. And India is practically untouched by the gospel. So the gospel hasn't gone. The gospel is resisted. You go through anywhere. Why is it Japan, the most modernized nation where the Americans ruled for two years, so resistant to the gospel? Because there are powers at work. Until you deal with these powers in your own personal lives. This is what the prophecy, the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman, there are wars released. As soon as sin comes in, sin comes in, you will see two spirits immediately enter. Adam, Adam, where are you? He's hiding. He says, I was afraid because I was naked. The two spirits that enters into mankind is fear and shame. And these are the two spirits that control the actions of everybody. Either they are afraid or they are ashamed. And to cover that shame, they are doing so many activities. And that is what salvation sets you free. Your works mean nothing. You don't have to cover your shame. You are a new creation. He's taken the shame away. The second generation, before they can possess the promised land, the first thing God does is he circumcises them at a place called Gilgal and says, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt. You'd never have to think about your past that you were slaves. Your identity has changed. And to Joshua he says, do not fear, 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 fear. So the two spirits which are released, one is fear, the other is shame. By the time you come to the second generation, there is sacrifice. And you have envy, anger. God has said, if you eat, you will die. But death comes in the form of murder. Three meditated murder. Three more spirits are released now. You will see jealousy, anger, and murder. Now the evil spirits, the influence of the evil spirits are increasing. That is why why we come to the 10th generation. The Bible says every thought and imagination was evil. How did it happen? Because unfettered the spirits are operating. And there is nothing to stop them. Nothing to stop them. So don't take it lightly because the issues you go personally and in your homes are all connected with battles that are taking place. And if you don't learn how to take these battles, you know what? We'll be just swept away into the dustbin of history. Saved but useless. Therefore, one of the most important characters in the Bible, in the prophetic calendar, in the prophetic calendar, the most important character, probably the most important character after Jesus, of course, is a person called Elijah. In Mark chapter 9, this is what Jesus says about him. They asked him, saying, why do the scribes say Elijah must come first? Then he answered and told them, indeed, Elijah is coming first and restores all things. And how is it written concerning the Son of Man? That he must suffer many things and be treated with contempt. But I say to you, Elijah has also come 
and they did not did to him whatever they wished as it is written about him the most prophetic picture after jesus christ is elijah 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 was there in the old covenant elijah was the harbinger of the new covenant and elijah will be the harbinger of the second coming of jesus christ it's a prophetic picture that is why so many pages so many verses in the bible is devoted to this man why is so much mentioned about this man so that we will have a prophetic vision we will understand and prepare and fight these battles even today i'm telling you after the message is over within 10 minutes most of you will forget what you have heard because your minds are blinded by these spirits there is no quickening in your spirit you will go right back to status quo because until you learn to fight this you will suddenly you will realize yes this is true and i have to take my stand and he will cry out to god i need power i need strength because this is what is real jesus said the things that are coming if the lord did not shorten those days even the elect could not be saved there would be a quickening in our hearts please remember these things so elijah has to come what is he coming for is coming to prepare a people for the lord that's elijah's ministry always in israel's times before jesus came and before jesus comes a second time elijah's ministry is always to prepare a people for god that's why there are certain characters to whom we give more attention and more time okay so elijah is is a symbolic character it's a person it's a character we study about him and we learn of him okay the man there is elijah and then there is his disciple called elisha that denotes another generation okay when we go to where elijah is introduced before we get into elijah in that story of elijah there are five important characters the first and the foremost is god you take god out nothing has any meaning you bring god in things will start taking meaning so the most important person in that entire narrative is god because history is about him god the second important person over there is a person called elijah 3 and 4 whichever order you want to put it over there is ahab and jezebel and the fifth of course will be elisha Now if you look at Ahab before we go into Ahab quickly we look at the beginning we'll just go five generations back okay first kings chapter 14 verse 16 and he will give Israel up because of the sins of Jeroboam who sinned and who made Israel sin five generations back okay this is the fellow who did who sinned that's okay and made israel so five generations back this is what we talk about iniquity you see if you don't take a stand evil does not stop it just continues and it becomes worse with every generation it becomes worse outwardly civilization is progressing inwardly man is regressing 
That's why technology and all modernity is not changing anything because inside man is regressing. If man is not regressing inside, then all this technology should be suddenly, all these things should be elevated. There is no famine, there is no pestilence, there is no war, there is peace. That's not happening. Things are actually getting worse. It's because man is regressing. So you will, if you study this, we're not going to the whole thing, but if you study this man, you will say, this is just going five generations back. We'll skip the other generations. After that, there is Nada, there is Basha, there is Elah. But we go to 16, 23 to 26. This is his father. In the 36th year of Asa, king of Judah, Omri became king over Israel and reigned 12 years. Six years he reigned in Tirzah. He bought the hill of Samaria from Shemner for two talents of silver. Then he built on the hill and called the name of the city which he built Samaria after the name of Shemer, honor of the hill. Remember, this is the beginning of Samaria historically. And that is where Jesus will meet a woman. Okay? This is the guy who built Samaria actually in place of Jerusalem. Omri did evil in the eyes of the Lord and did worse than all who were before him. This is the power of iniquity. You need to understand. This is how it works. This is how it works. Nobody has the power to stop it except Christ. It only gets worse. It gets worse and worse and worse. So this is the fellow. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Did worse than all who were before him. Verse 26. For he walked in all the ways of Jeroboam, the son of Nebath, and in his sin by which he had made Israel sin, provoking the Lord God of Israel to anger with their idols. Okay? Now we come down to the fifth generation. First Kings 16, 29 to 34. These are the characters. In the 30th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Omri, became king over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria, 22 years. Now Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. You see that? It's not decreasing. It's increasing. Let's look at him. And it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat that he took as wife Jezebel the daughter of Itabal, king of the Sidonians. And he went and served Baal and worshipped him. Okay? And then? Then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a wooden image. Okay? It's a grove. It's a phallic simple wooden image. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. In his days... Heel of Bethel, built Jericho. He laid its foundation with Abiram, his firstborn. And with his youngest son, Segub, he set up its gates according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken through Joshua, the son of Nun. Jericho is a type of Babylon. The rebuilding of something that has been cursed. It doesn't matter to him. He rebuilds at the cost of his children. Okay? Verse 31. 
and it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat this is the guy who officially introduced idolatry into Israel and he walked in it he went the full 9 yards what did he do he took as his wife Jezebel took as his wife Jezebel now Jezebel you need to understand these are spirits there are people and these are spirits the actual word jezebel means unhusbanded meaning she's married but she has no husband she will not accept the headship of a husband unhusbanded jezebel for her baal is her prince etbal means with baal she's the daughter of etbal the king of the sidonians okay now officially he goes to baal and worships him in the next words what he does is then he set up an altar for baal in the temple of baal which he had built in samaria and have made a wooden image now you need to understand what is baal and his consort ashurath what are they they are fertility gods the god of rain the god of fertility the god of prosperity so if you know in all pagan religions ancient religions occult religions what you had to have is you had to have gathering in these places you had to have women you need to have sex and all the children who were conceived and born through these activities were offered in sacrifice offered in sacrifice the occult sex is worship part of worship children are born children are sacrificed and you will see the demonic agenda that's exactly where we are now in history baal is the god of pro choice the children are offered as sacrifice and governments are for it like ahab and jezebel were for it you need to know governments today are controlled by the spirit of ahab and the spirit of jezebel and they are controlling the whole system and in those whole system and nobody seems to be able to stop them you will see like if you see at the most prominent christian nation in the world there are two things people are fighting for one is the right to kill your baby second is the right for drugs marijuana is being legalized in many states fentanyl is pouring in killing 100000 young people they're so scared the parents and you need to understand in the occult these two things are primary you need to have sex you need to have children to be killed and you need to have drugs and taken over the whole continents we have come back in history that's where elijah anointing has to step forward because only those who step forward under the anointing will be a voice against these forces so if you are not prophetic you will miss the timeline what is happening because elijah has to come it is not the same person who is coming until those two witnesses come but there is an anointing that has to come which prepares the people for the lord but you cannot prepare a people for the lord unless you're willing to confront these forces for these forces are real these forces are real and in our own personal lives sometimes our lives our homes you're battling these forces without realizing why is everything going topsy turvy 
What is happening in my life? What's happening in my home? Because this is the point we are in history. The only restrainer we have internally is the Holy Spirit. And if if he is not Lord, what will happen is, outwardly we will progress with all the best of the latest technology. But inwardly we will keep on regressing. We'll go backwards. And things will get worse and worse and worse. Five kings, five governments, it got worse and worse and worse. Governments don't change a thing. Look in Israel's history or Judah. You will realize Israel's history or Judah. Unless one righteous one who was willing to stand against the agenda. And when he stood against the agenda, there is a cessation for a spirit. Once he's gone, it gets worse than before. Let me tell you in modern history, because you do not know your modern history. Let me tell you modern history. 1991-92, George Bush Sr., the father, became president. It was from his mouth we heard the new world order. After that came Bill Clinton. Things got worse. After that came George Bush Jr. He started the entire Iraq war. They had no weapons of mass destruction. It was a calculated plan to bring chaos. Came the third. After that came Obama, the worst president in human history who changed the landscape of America. And then came a stopgap for four years when Trump went. They went after him because the agenda was being stopped. They brought him down and then came Biden. The nation is collapsing. Five governments. It gets worse and worse and worse. So everything is parallelly being played out before our eyes because we do not understand scripture. We do not understand the Lord's coming is near. We are so caught up in our own little issues. Our petty issues, our petty struggles without realizing the Lord will step in. What we do not realize is these are demonic governments. The kings come, kings go, but the powers that is empowering them, don't, they don't die. They are not voted out. They continue. So when Trump became president, one of the first things that was done, though people don't understand, he cleaned the White House out. He cleaned the White House out completely and got the pastors to come in and pray over the whole place because he knew that place had become the place of occult. Cleaned it out. As soon as he left office, it has become double the place of the occult. You look at all the spokesperson and all the people connected with the White House. Who are they? Lesbians, transgenders, everybody is that. Do you see what's happening? Governments will change. The powers of darkness continue. And God is looking for people who will understand and fight. Because the outward man is irrelevant. What matters is what spirit controls him or her. In the Bible, Jezebel is a woman. But in the Bible, Jezebel is not also a woman. She's a spirit. How do you know? Fast forward literally a thousand years from the time of Elijah. Thousand years. Go to Revelation chapter 2. 
Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman. Jezebel, where did she come from? Did she look for a thousand years? No, she's dead and gone. But the spirit that empowered her continues. And the spirit is called Jezebel. Now this is coming to the book of Revelation. Things that are to happen. Things that have been foretold. What did she come in? Who calls herself a prophetess? Oh, she's a prophetess. So she, because Jezebel had 850 prophets eating off her table. So she's begin to prophesy. To teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things. She takes them back to idolatry and to commit immorality. She brings the church back into the world. She makes a union with the world. That is the Jezebel spirit operating over there. Is it the same woman? No. But it is the same demon. Nothing has changed. The demon is the same. You need to understand that is what was happening then. That is what is happening now. This is what we call familiar spirits. It passes on individually, family lines, national lines. It happens. So I was there and I had so, after I spoke, I had so many meetings individually with the pastors. They all asked for appointments. I was with my guest room. I was talking to them. So I asked them, the very senior pastors from the U.S. I said, do you know what is the reigning nature of the principality or USA? They said, no. I said, it's the way your nation was formed. I said, have you ever noticed, I told them also, we say Indians, as Indians we look at this. We have this good people going from churches, boys, girls, young people, they go to U.S. Once they go to U.S., in one year or so, everything changes. They're all defiant and rebellious and marriages broke down. Children go into drugs. What happened in U.S.? Because U.S. was formed out of rebellion. They rebelled against their king. So the spirit that controls U.S. is rebellion. What you see every day on the news and the streets is rebellion. Because the church was seduced by this spirit to become one with the world and the anointing was lost. So if the nation has to have a semblance of restoration, this the same anointing has to rise again and confront these spirits. Now I'm looking at the sisters. All the sisters, educated sisters sitting over here. You have no clue how much of your thought process is feminism, which is Jezebel unconsciously it has come in. And you do not know through a thousand media, thousand pictures, thousand things you have seen, your frame of mind is actually deep inside. When you fight with your husband, you fight with somebody, you're actually fighting for feminist rights. It's got nothing to do with scripture. And ultimately, you live with your man, with your husband, but technically you're unhusbanded. You're unhusbanded. It's not that you don't have a husband, but the husband has no control over you. If you do not know this, you will struggle because this is what's happening here. I gave her time. Lord, I gave her time. God gives time. God gives time. Time to repent of her. Immoral, sexual immorality. She did not repent. What is time given for? 
What is the purpose of time? Not to have a great career, build a house and two cars. No, time is for repentance to change. The only utility of time on earth is to change before he comes. The maximum use of time is to change. Repent means to change your mind. Change the way you think. Your mind is transformed to the image of Christ. How does God think? What does God want? That is what time is for. I gave her time, but she did not. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into a great... Mark those words. These are not easy words. These are difficult words. Terrible words. I've given you time. Within the time, if you do not change, your destination is not rapture. Your destination is tribulation, church. That's what he's telling Thyatira. Because we don't read this book. We don't learn the lessons. Therefore, we are not blessed. God says all these things will come to pass. But there are spirits working behind men and women. Is Jezebel the same woman? No. Is it the same demon? Yes. Is Ahab the same man? No. Is it the same demon? Yes. We don't live in Kairos and live only in Kronos. We'll be swept away by the flood. We should be able to read the signs because she has entered into the church. She's now in the church. He has entered into the church. Like I said, there are two levels of battle we are fighting. One is in the heavenly realm. The other is on the earthly realm. So you have these two characters who are introduced along with Elijah. A man called Ahab and a woman called Jezebel. But the spirits behind them are gender neutral. These gender neutral spirits is what is causing transgenderism. Spirits don't have gender. So suddenly a man wakes up and says, today I am a woman. The woman wakes up and says, I am a man. What is causing it? Don't you know who you are? Because the spirits are causing it. You cannot legislate spirits away. They can be confronted only with by Elijah. Who understands what is God's order? What is God's power? What is God's intention? And he understands the times. This is what is happening. And if we don't know and we don't fight, I'm telling you, we will lose. Go to verse 23. I will kill her children. We lose our children. Jezebel is after the children. That's why they are mutilating children now. Irrevocable. It cannot be brought back when these child children, because they feel they are transgender and they are chemically castrated. There is no way coming back. You cannot. You are marred for life. Either you are aborted or you are mutilated or you are into drugs, porn. You are the children are destroyed. He says, I will kill her children with death. All the churches shall know that I am here. That's why I was fascinated by the young people there. Young people there. The young man who was associate, um, assigned for all the senior pastors, they assigned that young man. He will come at 7 in the morning to your door, says, take you for your breakfast, take you to your seat, come for lunch. 
And they asked me while I was going, do you speak Hindi? I said, yes, I do. So they assigned a Korean young man who speaks Hindi. Speaks Hindi. I'm not mentioning which city he is. In a very North India, very difficult city. He is wife and his two children. Children. Look. So I told him, you should miss, visit me. So I said, yes, yes, sir. Yes, pastor, I will visit you. I, I have a friend in Hyderabad. He said, you have a friend in Hyderabad? Oh, no, my child was very ill, so he was admitted in the hospital. In the next bed was a Muslim couple from Hyderabad. We ministered to them, and they have invited us one day to come to Hyderabad. Korean speaking, Hindi, ministering to Muslims in our country. Shame on us. Put their lives online. You should think we should be ashamed because you are so career oriented, ambitious people we are with no vision. No vision. She's entered the church, he's entered the church, and there are battles. What happens is when the spirits enter, you have passive men, except they are gender neutral. A man can have a Jezebel spirit, a woman can have a Jezebel spirit, a man can have a Ahab spirit, a woman can have a Ahab spirit. But when they enter into a man and a woman, especially in a marriage, you have passive men and aggressive women. Or you have aggressive men and passive women. And there's a battle going on. God's angels versus Baal's demons. On earth, God's prophet versus the prophets of Baal, who is empowered by Ahab and Jezebel. The same pattern we see throughout the Bible. God versus the gods of Egypt. Moses versus the prophets or the magicians, sorcerers of Pharaoh. On one side, if you look at them now, anywhere in the world, they have money, they have power, and they have numbers. The only thing the prophet has, God and his anointing. Ahab and Jezebel has power. Elijah has the anointing. Ahab and Jezebel have money. Elijah has anointing. Elijah and Jezebel, um, Ahab and Jezebel have numbers. Elijah has the anointing. So he's able to stand alone. If you look at Elijah, he has no money. If you look at Elijah, he has no numbers. If you look at Elijah, the king and the army is searching for him. What he has is the anointing. That's why we pray always, because it is the anointing that breaks the yoke. You cannot lose your salvation if you are truly saved. It's almost secure. But you can lose your anointing. Just with that anointing. An eight-year-old man with no money, no numbers, or no governmental power, just with a stick, entered into the palace of the greatest king on earth and said, let my people go. And the people could be released only after there was a confrontation between powers. That's why God keeps on telling his people, do not be afraid. Because you are afraid, you have lost the battle even before you have begun. 
Everybody in the Bible, all the greats in the Bible, when they were afraid, they crumbled. Abraham told his wife was his sister. Isaac said his wife was his sister. Jacob ran from his own father's house in fear. Moses ran and hid in the desert for 40 years. Joshua was trembling that God had to come and tell him over and over again, do not be afraid, be bold, be courageous. When David was afraid, he went to the Philistine camp, whom he was supposed to defeat, and told Akish, you are my king. Elijah was afraid and she, he ran from Jezebel and said, I want to die. Nobody in the Bible, however great he was, has survived if fear took over. So when we teach these things, it is real. It is real. If shame takes over. That's why Paul is telling Timothy, doctrinally, perfect man, good believer, genuine believer. What does he tell Timothy? God has not given us the spirit of fear. Fear as God. And the next thing, I am not ashamed of the gospel. So these two spirits is controlling Timothy. He's got fear, he's got shame because of these chains, he says. Some of you, could you just close the windows? The AC is on, but this side, I think some windows are open. I think so, okay? Because we need to preserve all these. Is any window open here? To keep these things, these are not small things we need to learn to fight. We need to learn to fight. So please don't confuse between two words. One is called patience. Second Peter 3 9. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly. No, no, no. 3 9, 3 9, or 2 9, 3 9. 3.9. The Lord is not slack concerning promises as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. What does it mean? God is patient. That's why we are not confused. But the problem is, we confuse patience with tolerance. Because God is patient, we think God is tolerant. Therefore, we continue without changing. Go back to what he tells our church where Jezebel is ruling. The spirit is ruling. Revelation 2 verse 20. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate. You tolerate that woman. Who tolerated the woman? The pastor of the church to whom the Ahab spirit has gotten. You tolerated her. You are weak, she is taken over. You tolerate that spirit. You allow, you tolerate. And then suddenly she takes the mantle of a prophetess and brings the world into Babylon, into the church. And before you know, the congregation is gone and they are finished. Mixes the church and Babylon. Christ and Belial. Light and darkness. The ecclesia. And the Gentiles. Verse 21. You tolerate. I gave her time. That is patience. I gave her time. I was patient. Five generations God waited. It's getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. By the time it comes to a half generation, God found a man and said, okay, let's stop this for a season. God is patient. And we confuse patience for tolerance. 
Your same battles in the family has been going on for years and years and years and years and you are not willing to confront the issues and you think God is tolerant. No, God is not tolerant. You're just patient. In your own lives. The same besetting sin over and over and over and over and over and over again and you think God is tolerating. God is not. He's just patient. We confuse one with the other. Tolerance is the devil's counterfeit for repentance. Do you know the entire western world, the religion is a religion of tolerance? And if you don't tolerate, they call it transphobe, homophobe, this phobe, that phobe, every phobe. Because you are not You are not tolerant. God is not tolerant, but he's patient. The patience of God says, I'm giving you time for what? To repent, to change. Whatever is your sin. Whatever you, you know personally, these drugs, it's alcohol, it's porn, I don't care whatever it is. You name it before God. I don't want to know anybody's sins. I have enough of my own. Okay? Just write, Repent. Repent. We all have our own struggles. But you have to be honest to go before God and name it. Name it. Call it by name. Because if you don't actually name it, you're tolerating it. Call it by actually what the Bible calls it. Because when tolerance comes, we change. That's what when the old English British word which was written in all our railway stations called latrine became restroom. Now we are tolerating. Those were actually in those days and even today most of it were Indian toilets and nobody rested there because your knees hurt. How did it become restroom? You know how, how you have, don't understand how language works. Our minds are conformed to the image of Christ or the image of the devil through language. That's what the Bible says in the beginning was to the word and how he destroyed Babel was confusing their language. And now you're getting a language together which is going to be artificial intelligence. Language matters. How we use words matter. Because words can take something which is very important to God, but just changing the words, it can make it very light and tolerant. That's why if you are actual words, if you are fighting for the right to kill your own baby in your womb, they call us, we are pro-choice. It sounds very nice, very tolerant. You are pro-choice, yes. Don't you have the right to choose what to eat, yes. What to wear, yes. What to speak, what to listen. Why not what to kill? So when you put this word pro-choice, you become very tolerant. Because what are you choosing? You are choosing a whole lot of things every day in your life along with that to kill the baby. Pro-choice. So they will name the opposite group anti-abortion. No, they said we are pro-life. Don't put your tag on us. That is not who we are. We are pro-life. Words matter. That is how 
The devil uses language so that suddenly we become tolerant. There's a problem with tolerance. Notice that. That words, time, patience. The problem with tolerance is that tolerance can go on and go on and it gets worse and worse and worse. Patience has an end. Patience has an end. In a home, in a church, in the world, everywhere, there is an end to patience. Tolerance has no end. It only gets worse. A lot of us in our homes, with maybe with your spouses or with your children, Things have got worse and worse and worse because you're confusing patience for tolerance. You're not being patient. You're being tolerant. The problem with tolerance is it will only get worse and worse and worse. But God is not tolerant. He's just patient because he does not want the motive. He does not want anyone to perish. So five generations later, God said, it's time. Note those words. Time, patience, tolerance, tribulation. <laughs> because when God's patience ends, what begins? Judgment begins. I wrote something which is very strong, but I will give you scripture for that, so that you will know the scripture is stronger than my words. If you are not saved, and if you are saved and not willing to change, it's better to die young. You know why? Romans 2. Yeah, 2 5. In accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up, means you are storing up what? Yourselves wrath in the day of wrath. Meaning, if I'm 15 years old, I heard the gospel, I refuse to accept the gospel, I refuse to change, I've already stored up wrath. By that I'm 60, the wrath is going. 17, it's increasing. By 25, it's increasing. I'm storing up wrath. Die young. At least on the other side, the wrath on you will be less. Because of the hardness of your heart and your impenitent, unchanging nature. Don't mistake God's patience for tolerance. God is holy. God is righteous. He will never tolerate evil, but he will be patient. Like he was during the days of Noah. 120 years. Weakness is increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing. And God was patient. But when 120 years was up, the Bible says, get in. They got in. The ones who changed got in. And the Bible says, he shut the door. He said, it's over. Now judgment begins. Nobody could escape his judgment. That's where we have to be careful. This is the truth of God's word. Okay. So you have Ahab there. You have Jezebel there. And then you have Elijah. Jezebel has her children. We saw that in verse 23. Elijah has his disciple. Verse 
Elijah will have his disciples. Jezebel has her children. The Ahab spirit and the Jezebel spirit. Let me tell you how it works. The Ahab spirit and the Jezebel spirit, they are codependent. They work together. They need each other. Like in a classic case, it's a weak man and this aggressive woman. They work together. They're codependent. The Jezebel spirit and the Jezebel spirit in the man and the woman will not work. They will fight until their family falls apart. They fight like cats and dogs. Both will be violent and aggressive. Neither will give an inch. And finally, who suffers? The children suffer. The home is destroyed. They are codependent. But it is Jezebel that pursues the agenda. And Ahab gives him. We need to understand. Humans, we have taught, looked at this earlier also, can have only three sources. If it is God, it is the Holy Spirit. Or the flesh. Or the demonic. Those who by, live by the Spirit are like Elijah. They hear the word. They obey they are fearless and they are able, willing to take a stand if needed all alone because their power comes from the spirit of God. Those who live by the flesh, they are self-indulgent and self-destructive. Self-indulgent. They indulge in their self and they destroy themselves. Those who are into drugs, into porn, into alcohol, any of these vices, whatever it is, they are self-indulgent and they are self-destructive. In the process, they may destroy also the people who are around them. Like an alcoholic father can bring his whole family down because all the money that should go in for maintaining the family and their future goes into drinks. He's self-indulgent and he's self-destructive. And that is a sign of the last days. Men shall be lovers of themselves. They bring themselves pain and cause others pain, especially the next generation. The center is myself. And they're very, very, very manipulative. If you ever deal with addicts, they can lie to you where even their mother will not be able to understand. They are very manipulative, very to get their fix. They will make any vow commitment you tell them just to get the money or the resources. These are not normal things. These are spirits working through the flesh. Then they are the, there are the demonic. Now listen carefully. The Ahab and the Jezebel. Because that's the controlling spirits now. <clears throat> the ones in the flesh often accidentally cause pain. The ones who are demonic, they don't accidentally cause pain. They purposefully plan, plot, and execute evil. And they kill the prophets of God. They silence them. And we see that today all around the world, those spirits in operation. You speak any of these things. There are certain weak words which I cannot mention from here. If I mention those words, 
we'll get our third warning from YouTube that we will take you off the bottle. They silence God's men. Jezebel and Ahab kill the prophets of God. Today they don't kill unless in Muslim countries. What they do is they take your voice off. They deliberately, purposefully plot evil. We see that today. On marriage. On marriage. Same-sex marriage. Churches are legalizing. Churches are got into the whole thing. On abortion. On gender. Even to destroy a nation. Right now we are seeing it before our eyes. Title 42 has gone. The borders of America is open and Tens and thousands are pouring in. In which country anywhere in the world will that be allowed to happen? Nowhere. Why are they doing it? Deliberately to destroy the nation from inside. Arnold Toynbee said about 22 civilizations. He says 21 out of 22, if my memory is right, were not conquered. They imploded from inside. America will implode from inside because it's evil, it is demonic because it's the last standing Christian nation on the world. Before the Antichrist can come, that nation has to be brought down. It's too powerful militarily so it has to implode. So everything they are doing with the same sex, with the gender, with the abortion, with the immigration, everything is calculated, plotted and demonic to bring the Antichrist in. To bring his regime in. And we are sitting around like pickle in the jar. Because we are not able to see the signs of the times. And therefore we are not able to stand in the gap and intercede. Because when these things happen. The Bible says no one will escape. No one will escape. We are moving very fast towards that. Unless God's changes something and puts his feet on the brake. You know what? We have very little time. So Ahab and Jezebel is in alignment. When a Jezebel spirit gets into a man, he becomes extremely domineering, demanding, violent, and abusive and intimidating. You see, hear that in marriages? That's what I said. You cannot have that same spirit in the same man and woman. Because there will be violence. Jezebel needs Ahab. If Ahab, the man, not Ahab, the man, has a Jezebel spirit, the woman becomes passive and gives in. You know what she becomes? She becomes tolerant. Her primary religion and philosophy is tolerance. This is my husband. This is he is. He actually is evil. He is violent. He is abusive. But I will tolerate it because I cannot live without him. And so many marriages are caught like that because they are blinded. They are not able to see. They are not able to see. And therefore you are not able to fight. Your own destiny, your children are at stake. It takes the Elijah anointing to step up and say, it, that is it, it's enough. When the Jezebel spirit enters the women, 
She's manipulating, she's intimidating, and she uses seduction as a weapon. You know what Jezebel did to Jehu, right? She painted her eyes. So seduction will be used by the woman in the marriage, either to seduce her husband or to refuse him. That's what the Jezebel spirit will do. It will be intimidation. It will be very manipulative. That's what she did. She said, good, wrote it in Ahab's name, put the signature and said, and put five rascals over there to condemn that man, and Naboth was killed. Very manipulative. We need to understand these are the spirits we are fighting and we need to take a look at ourselves and spirit of God. Am I being influenced by the spirits that are all around us? Am I also going that way? Am I too aggressive? Am I intimidating? Am I violent? Am I abusive, man? Or am I so tolerant, laid back? Now when I hear people say, I cannot live without you, I said, nonsense. The only person you cannot live without is God. God. Nobody else. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you believe. Because these are not normal times we are living in. We are living in extremely demonic times. And these things were all there. Always the victims are children. Are the children. Only the spirit of Elijah, the spirit that was upon Elijah, can confront these spirits. You're not, remember, you're not confronting people. Get it? Okay, I got it. I think that is what my husband has. Today I shall confront him. No, that's not what I said. These are spirits you need to confront. Right? Jesus wakes up and he looks. He rebukes the wind and speaks to the seas. Everything was calm. Okay? And then he looked at them and asked them two questions. Why are you afraid? And where is your faith? So he rebuked what was unseen. Nobody can see the wind. And then he spoke to the sea very gently. You deal with these spirits and speak gently. Instead, we speak gently to the demonic and shout at our spouses. I said, speak gently. Okay, don't trouble me, please. But you are my trouble. No, you are not. Because you don't know what you are fighting for. You don't know what you are fighting for. When Peter told Jesus the most important thing he has come to do to go to the cross, he says, you shall not go. Jesus did not rebuke Peter. Rebuked Satan. He always think he rebuked Peter. No, he rebuked Satan. He said, Satan, get behind me. He didn't say, Peter, get behind me. When Jesus went to Peter's house, his mother-in-law was sick. It's written, Jesus rebuked the fever, not Peter's mother-in-law. And because he rebuked the fever, the fever left the mother-in-law, got up and cooked for them. So many of us are rebuking our mother-in-law so they never cook for us. These are real spirits. These are real battles. Now don't go see a demon behind every tree even though there may be more than one. You don't. You have to take your stand first. 
You have to believe. Take your stand. You have to hear from God. You have to believe what the word of God says. And you know what you are fighting for. What you are fighting for. Jezebel has her children. Elijah has his Elisha. Elisha. Elijah's birth. Elisha's. What's the nature of Elisha? I told you this, another character, fifth character. We are only touching the surface today. We will look further in the days to come. Second Kings chapter 2, verse 2. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Elisha is absolutely, totally committed to God and to Elijah. The first thing you understand about the Elisha generation, they are sold out generation. They are totally committed. Committed to God on earth and the one God has assigned to him on earth. God in heaven, the man on earth. Absolutely, totally committed. As the Lord loves and as your soul loves. The first thing about the Elisha generation, who will actually confront Jezebel and Ahab and finish them off, it is the Elisha generation because Elijah gets afraid and scoots. Okay? And therefore, it is the Elisha generation that also you will see totally committed. Be committed. That's the most important thing to get committed. I saw a few, maybe a thousand young people absolutely committed. Five days. They cooked for the entire crowd. Five thousand people. Everything was on this thing. All was young people. Everything was assigned. Everybody did. And from morning till night, they didn't miss them. Even when it rained, the vehicle came, the things were put all so that you could move from your dining areas, enter the main hall without the water falling upon you. Everybody was ready. All the young people. You can't, the huge church, you cannot wear your shoes. So they have, give you plastic covers over there. And you put your shoes in and take your shoes with you. Every volunteers. It's being translated into 20 different languages. And you will see those microphones are given to you. And you can plug in and they will leave which channel is English, which channel. So if somebody is speaking in Arabic, and it's being translated in Korean. If I have to understand English, I put the earpiece. And there is young people sitting in the booths and translating simultaneously the message that is going on. And everyone who is translating is a Korean. When the Russian pastor came and spoke, there was a Korean who was translating in Korean, a young man who has gone as a student missionary. When the man from Turkey spoke in his language, there was a young girl who was speaking in the language because she had gone in as a student missionary. When the person from Fiji, the person from Mali, the person from Libya, for every language that was spoken over there, there was a young person who had committed themselves to ministry and was willing to translate. Committed. Committed. They did not have ambition. They had vision. They had vision. You have to understand. Elisha's generation is committed. They understood the cause. Like David. Is there not a cause? Committed. Committed to the cause. Committed to God. Committed to the man. Second thing. Second Kings 3.11 Jehoshaphat, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? So none, one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here who poured water on the hands of Elijah. They are not only committed to a 
God and to the person. They are committed to serving. Let me ask you this question. How many of you will incognito without being visible, notice, appreciated, just do what Elisha did for 18 years before he is recognized? Do you know he's not recognized? Nobody knows Elisha. The first time you see Elisha, he comes and puts the mantle over him. And he says, let me go say bye. He says, what do I have to do with you? People who say bye and hi and they say useless for the kingdom. <laughs> so he killed the oxen, burned his bridges, followed. After that, the next time you hear about him is 18 years later. What did he do 18 years? One line about his service. He served. No appreciation, no encouragement, no tariff, nothing. He served, committed, and served. A generation is rising. And my prayer is you become part of it. Because God will have his Elijahs and his Elishas. The question is whether we want to be part of it. He will have his people. His purposes will come. The kingdom of God will come on earth. The question is will I be you and be part of that? That's a simple question. Second Kings 3, 9, third quality. 2, 9, Second Kings 2. So it was when they had crossed over, only after they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what may I do for you before I am taken away from you. Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. They are desperate after the anointing. They know without the anointing, Nothing can work. He had walked with Elijah. He understood the history, understood the battle, understood the problems, and he realized there are twin problems in this country. The spirit of Jezebel and the spirit of Ahab. And I need a double portion of your spirit to handle them. They knew their times. and They knew the power they wanted and the power they needed to fight this battle. Absolutely clear they are. And the fourth quality of that generation, 2 Kings 3.12. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. The word of the Lord. He had the word of the Lord. He had the prophetic word of the Lord. He had the word. He knew the times. He hears from God. He had the word of the Lord with him. Keep these four things and say, Lord, all till today, 14th of May, remember, as Israel celebrates its 75th year. Lord, I goofed up till today, but today I surrender. I want to be that man. I want to be that woman. I want to be that person. Make me that person. Deliver me, Lord. Anoint me, Lord. I want to be absolutely committed. I want to be absolutely, be one thing, I'm here to serve. Because the Son of God did not come, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. I want to serve when I seek that anointing. And Lord, I want your word. A word that I can know the season in which I'm speaking. I should not be speaking a word which has no meaning in the season. He had the word of the Lord. Remember, if you have been listening to the teachings, remember the first time that construction is used is after in Genesis 14, Abraham has defeated those kings, brought Lot back, had the blessing of Melchizedek and said no to the king of Sodom. And when he was sitting there, Bible says, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision and told him, do not fear. 
I am your shield and your exceedingly reward. There are so many first there. The first time Bible uses the term, the word of the Lord came. Second, the first time God tells a man, do not fear. And unless you are prophetic, you will not understand what God is telling Abraham. He is telling me, because if any man is in Christ Jesus, he is the seed of Abraham and the heir of the blessing. And he is telling him, the word of the Lord. Lord, your word came to Abraham. I'm a seed of Abraham. I want to have your word and I will not be afraid because you are my shield and my portion. That's why generations later Abraham will have a son called David and he will practically take up the promises of God and he will open his mouth and utter these promises. What is spoken to Abraham is spoken to all his children. The word of the Lord came. The word of the Lord came. It's not a small thing. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. Because there is Ahab sitting with Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat is a righteous king. And he says, the word of the Lord is with him. It is with him. He has a discernment to know who has the word of the Lord. It's all prophetic. Ahab, Jezebel, Elijah, Elisha. Elijah and in Elisha, it is the spirit of God. In Ahab and Jezebel, these are manipulative, controlling, demonic forces. All the same spirits are operating now. Nothing has changed. People die. Demons don't. Neither does the Holy Spirit. Into this. 1 Kings 17, 1. Elisha, the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab. Ahab and Jezebel has the government, the army, false prophets, the people, the money, the power. God has his prophet. Genealogy is not mentioned. Because these are prophets, or these are men and women, married or unmarried, who have made themselves spiritual eunuchs for the kingdom. Jesus said about it, there are some who have made themselves eunuch. And Paul will speak in the most definitive chapter on marriage, 1 Corinthians 7. He will say, knowing the times, if you are married, live like you are unmarried. Because the kingdom is so close. These are people whose genealogy does not matter. Your past does not matter. Nothing matters. Elijah, the Tishbite of Gilead. What is Gilead? Gilead is a mountainous country. Today you will see, if you check on YouTube, you will see these are things which I check on YouTube. You will see lots of people in the remote areas living off the grid. You know what off the grid? No electricity? No running water? They are living off the grid. Off O-F-F. The grid is the system into which you are plugged in. And one thing goes, we don't know what to do. And these are people who live off the grid. This is Elijah, of the inhabitant of Gilead, the mountain. He's a modern 21st century man, you would say. He's a man who has learned how to live off the grid. That's why he could live for probably weeks and months by a brook without anybody. Can you live off the grid? Can you live off the grid? We do not know what it means. Because in the last days, these things are all prophetically written. There will be a set of people who will live off the grid. 
Because they will be tagging you, they will be pursuing you, they will try to do, but you have learned how to live off the grid where they cannot find you. Practical and spiritual. Elijah of Gilead. He receives the word and he delivers it. No introduction, nothing. Comes before Ahab as the Lord of God of Israel lives before whom I stand. What a statement. Why are you standing before? Not Ahab. Not Ahab. I'm standing before God. Therefore, I'm telling you what he told me to tell you. No fear. Who do you stand before? Who do you stand before every day? Elijah. As we go to communion, keep things in your mind. Because we're moving very fast. Like I said, unless. Even if God puts his feet on the brake, it's, see, they have already put, picked their agenda. They have already put the date, 2030. Already set the date, 2030. They will have the new world order. A global government, no currency. You will have to have Whatever they say, all countries are giving up their rights, medical rights to WHO. They are planning it all well. The only set of people they fear is the believing church that opposes them. They are not afraid of anybody. They are not. Your money will disappear. It will become digital currency. Everything will be tracked. You will have points. If you go subscribe with the government, you can do certain things. If you don't know your point, like in China. And the Chinese underground church has gone off grid. Because you have anything, they will track you. So they, when they go to church, everything is off. Nothing is taken with them. They've gone off grid. Because church that was very strong in China, under sea, is terribly persecuted. So the church that is surviving this persecution has, like Elijah, gone off the grid. Come here. What do you think happened in Manipur last week? It's a planned, pre-planned, calculated attack on the churches. How many died? How many churches were burned? Smell the rubber on the road, children. If you don't have God, and really ask God as God in your life, I'm telling you, Looking at what is coming, Jesus said, if he didn't shorten those days, even the very elect will not be saved. It is not to be afraid. It is to be fearless. It is to be fearless. So we'll go to communion. I will ask the worship team to come, the elders to come.
We need Johnson. Huh? We have? One, two, three. Yeah. Oh, Dr. David. Come, come, Dr. Able one step. I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love. Whoever lives and pleads for me, my name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his heart. I know that violin and he sends, no tongue can bid me thence depart, no tongue can bid me thence for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, this morning we come to you, Lord. Even this table... It's a table of your remembrance, of your second coming. Because the moment you come, this institution will cease. There will be no more Lord's table on the earth. Then we will be sitting, the bride will be sitting with the bridegroom. And you will be drinking of the fruit of the wine. So even this table is to bring to our remembrance that you are coming quickly. And we live our lives in anticipation of your coming. So Father, I pray, when as we partake of it today, there will be a quickening in our inner man. An expectation, a lifting of our heads, knowing that our redemption draweth near. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. When Satan tempts me to despair, and tells me of the guilt within Upward I look and see Him there Who made an end to all my sin Because a sinless Savior died My sinful soul is counted free For God the just is satisfied to look on Him and pardon me, to look on Him and pardon me. Behold Him there, the risen Lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness, 
missing the cup? Anybody missing the bread? Shall we partake of the emblem of his body, the bread? Shall we partake of the emblem of his blood that was shed for the remission of our sins? Pass the cups to the aisle. Easy to collect it. As we wind up. There is Ahab. There is Jezebel. Rama, these are spirits. Demonic entities all over the world. Intimidating. Making passive men, passive women, aggressive, violent, intimidating. And if you feel those oppressions, what you do is first, believe in the power God has given you. Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. You have to believe that. Not some, not many, but all. By faith, you have to believe what God has given you. And you have to learn to exercise it. And say that every spirit that is aggressive, that causes me to be violent, intimidating, aggressive, passive, I refuse you to receive you or your thoughts, words into my mind. I reject you and I bind you, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Don't remain empty. The Bible says fill. Because the demon that left when he came, he found it was clean but empty. And say, Lord, fill me continuously with your word and with your spirit, so that I will be a man, a woman, a child of the time, of the season. Of that season. I want that spirit. That same spirit that was upon Elijah. The same spirit that was upon Elisha. The same spirit God gives us. It's the spirit of God that had portion, that prepares you personally and a people for the coming of the Lord. That is Elijah, the man from Tishbe. Elijah just... What he did before that, we know it only later when the revelation comes through James. But he's a man of prayer. He's a man of prayer. And Elijah's generation will be men and women of prayer. It will be people who will pray, who will have a burden for what God is burdened about and not what you are burdened about. Where God can transfer his burden into your hearts. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens because you are committed to his cause. That's why Jesus said, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And these things will be added unto you. Putting your nose forward in the right direction. Elijah. It's a man. 
living off the grid. He's from the mountain country of Gilead. He's not into this system. He lives in the world, but he's not of the world. Because if you are of the world, then the Jezebel and the Ahab spirit will rule over you, because they rule the world. God said, you are not of the world. You are sent into the world, but we know very clearly we are not of the world. If you look at him in Second Kings chapter 1, 7 and 8, then he said to them, what kind of man was it who came up to meet you? What kind of a man was it? What kind of a man was that who came to meet you? And told you these words, so they answered him, a hairy man wearing a leather belt around his waist. And he said, Elisha, that is right. Was a hairy man. He was not an effeminate man walking around with yoga pants. No, he was not a man of that time. He never changed. He was a man. He was no confusion about his gender. He was a man. Young people, listen. How you keep your hair, how you dress matters to God if he has to pick you. And others will also identify you. Which which stream are you flowing in? Even dead fish float downstream. But only some fish swim upwards. The call of God is always upwards. We are so quick to change with the fashions. Elijah didn't change. As soon he was described, the king knew who it was. Yeah, that's Elijah. That's Elijah. Luke 180. Elijah's spirit the second time. So the child grew and became strong in the spirit. That should be your prayer, mothers, for your children. Lord, I want my child to grow. Strong in what? Strong in the spirit. And he was in the desert, separated, until the day of his manifestation to Israel. Until the day of his manifestation. Everybody is pushing up to be manifested. But he was not manifested until his time came. And when he was manifested, it was God who manifested. Ask, ask my wife. I never push myself. This invitation, I didn't even know it. He just came to me. I said, I don't want to go till the end. I said, no. She said, no, this from God, go. I said, I, I don't want to go. I don't know anybody there. I have no time. My mind is on other things. I have to take care of my churches. Last minute, I went. When I went over there, I realized I'm representing India. You may think whatever you may think. They are fantastic in worship. They are fantastic in prayer. But they are weak in the word. I'm telling you, not to be proud or boastful. Once your pastor spoke, every senior pastor, including retired pastors from all around the world, asked for appointment with me to hear about the word. Every one of them asked me. I could have to give slots for all the pastors so they could come. Do you know what senior, very senior pastors from UK, US and all, do you know what they did when I left? They hugged me. They said, we also were not sure what we are coming here for. But now we want to tell you, we came here to meet you. Do you value the word that is preached from here? I told them, you are zealous. I have never seen zeal like that. You are good in worship. Absolutely fantastic worship. You are strong in prayer. You 
weak in the word, you will not survive on the mission field. Said my entire mission was birthed in the underground church. I know what it used to be with two years with the underground church. That framed my whole thing. To know what is zeal, what is passion, what is prayer, and how much people value the word of God. Elijah, everybody wants to be manifested. Wait for your time. Let him project you. Let him put you. Because when he puts you there, nobody can bring you down. You put yourself there, anybody can bring you down. And live that life. Live a separated life. Be in the world. Don't be part of the world. Don't be part of the world. Because the world, Babylon, is ruled by Ahab and Jezebel. Biden and Kamala. Don't you see it? Passive man, aggressive woman. This is the first time in American history you have a president who is a man and a vice president who is a woman. These are not accidents. Those who have eyes, let them see. Matthew 3, 4. John himself clothed in a camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. You see, everything about this man is specifically mentioned. The nature, the dressing, what he ate, what he ate, and everywhere it's mentioned, he had a leather belt. Why? He was the original fast and furious, meaning he always fasted and was furious with Ahab and Jezebel. Do you have a life of fasting? Everything is there in the Bible. If you look, you will find. From lawn tennis to allopathy, everything is there. Joseph served in Pharaoh's court. Where do you find tennis? It is there. Moses came down the mountain with two tablets. Allopathy is there. You eat that too regularly, you will be healed. You will be well. Internet Explorer, Firefox, you read Judges, Samson, put the tails of the two foxes together. Firefox is there. It is all there. If you want, you will find humor also there. That is the man. Elijah the man. And his heart, Mark chapter 4, 5 and 6. Oh, no, no, sorry, not Mark. Malachi, Malachi. Malachi. Last chapter, 5 and 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and the dreadful just before that day comes. What will he do? This is his whole agenda. He wants to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children back to the father. This is his whole heart. Turn back. Turn back. Remember where we began? Turn back. Back to God. Before, because time, don't confuse tolerance with patience. Before the time ends, dreadful day of the Lord. Turn, turn, turn. Luke one seventeen. Yeah. 
he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Christ is coming for a prepared people. And the purpose of the Elijah anointing is that it prepares people for the coming of the Lord. A prepared people. Don't forget these things. And he has only one message. What is the message? One is a question, the other is a statement. First Kings 18, 21. 18, 21. Elijah came to all the people and said, how long? How long will you falter between these two opinions? If Yahweh is Yahweh, follow him. If Baal is Baal, follow him. Make up your mind. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. And the day of the Lord is near. Still in the valley of indecision. How long? God comes to the last day's church, Lavadisha also, and says, either be hot or be cold, why are you sitting there lukewarm? Make up your mind. And he has only one message. Matthew 3, 1 and 2. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent. No. Repent. Why? For the kingdom of the Lord is near. Very soon, when the seventh trumpet is blown, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Get that? Get that in the back. Keep it in the back, front, side, all over your mind. Please keep it over there. Meditate on it. Chew on it. And say, Lord, I heard. I don't have it. I need it. You are the only one who can give it. You can't do these things on your own. You have to, once you understand something, you have to go to God. You understand, actually, heard the whole sermon, you understand your poverty. You first have to realize your poverty, that without God, you and I can do nothing, he asks us. We have to realize our poverty. And in that poverty, don't stay poor, go to him. That's the first blessing. Blessed are the poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. But this morning we will stand up. We will look to the Lord. And we will say, Lord, I am poor. I heard all this. I don't have any of this. And what I have is what I shouldn't have. So I need deliverance. I need filling. And you are the one who does it both. For this purpose the Son of Man came. That he might destroy the works of the devil. Works of the devil. And what did he say? After this. Not for the worldwide audience. I cannot show it up. After the services. Okay. For this purpose the son of man came. To destroy the works of the devil. The one who comes after me. Because he comes and destroys. If you allow him. He will destroy every work of the devil. He's already done. He will do it in our own lives. And then. It won't leave you empty. The one who comes after me, I'm not even worthy to untie the thongs of his sandal. He's the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You need to ask him. You need to believe and you need to ask him. So this morning we'll ask him. Father, this morning we come to you, Lord. We come to you as children to our father. There are so many probably listening online, even here standing bound. Bound inside. Bound in their spirits, bound in their minds, bound in their flesh, bound in their bodies. 
But you came to set the captives free. That was the manifesto of the kingdom. The spirit of the Lord has anointed me to set the captives free. And I pray, Father, today that anointing will flow. And everyone who wants to be free will drink from that river, Father. For where the river flows, there is liberty. Where the river flows, there is freedom. Where the river flows, there is power. There is strength, of oh Father. A bind that pass you, spirit of Ahab, in the name of Jesus. A command to leave the men who are laid back. The women who are laid back. And a bind that spirit of Jezebel, that aggressive, intimidating, manipulative spirit who couches itself in other forms. A command those spirits to leave in Jesus' name. We will receive no spirit but the spirit of God. For we are the temple of the living God and only and only the spirit of God. Fill your people, Lord, who are here and who are listening online. Fill them once again, O God. When they were intimidated, when they were persecuted, when they were beaten, the church went back to that place where they have begun to the upper room and asked you to fill them once again, O Lord. And with boldness of Father. I command the spirit of fear to leave in Jesus name. For you have not given us the spirit of fear. But a power, love and a sound mind of father. We receive that spirit of power. Of love, of sound mind. And we stand here and we proclaim and we confess. We are not ashamed of the gospel. For the gospel is the power of God unto salvation Lord. We are not ashamed of you. And if you are put in chains, we are not ashamed of the chains of Christ Jesus, O oh Lord. Touch, O oh Father. Touch. Touch, Lord. Let there be liberty. Let there be deliverance, O oh Father. Let there be deliverance. Let there be liberty, Father. In your house. For whom the Son sets free is free indeed, O oh God. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I bless your people in your name. We are blessed when we go out. We are blessed when we come in. We are blessed in the city. We are blessed in the countryside. And the seed of our womb is blessed, O Lord. Speak that blessings over every generation that is represented here, O Father. Thank you, thank you, Father. All the mothers, O Father, I speak a special blessing, O Lord. They shall be blessed. The children shall be blessed. The husband shall be blessed. The household shall be blessed, O Lord. And may they have the wisdom of your word, O oh Lord. So the wise woman builds her home, Lord. Let that wisdom be poured upon your daughters, O oh Father. That they may build that home, Father. Where you may be content to dwell, O oh Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Lord, we praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Forever and ever. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen, amen, amen.